Hey guys, you are now listening to the Maranatha House podcast. So today, uh, we are going to go through John chapter 16. Last week, Josh hit 15. We'll probably go through the back end of 15 a little bit, too. Were you going to say something? I was going to say, we got to chapter, verse 5. And 15? In 16, we went to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Right, right, right. Sorry. <laughs> I thought you were saying John 15. We only got to verse 5. I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> I remember where we... I felt like we read. <laughs> no, we did get through... Bye, Ariel. We got through John 16, verse 5, because that was a carryover from the last part of um, 15. Um, so we're, let's just go back into it and read it. Um, actually, I want to read from John 15, verse 18, um, and read all the way through verse 4 of uh, chapter 16. So who wants to read 18 through 25? All right, Josh, you'll read 18 through 25, and then can somebody read verse 26 through chapter 16, verse 4? I can read it. All right. So, Josh, you go ahead whenever. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on the account of my name, because they do not know who sent me. And if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty, have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. And if I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when that... Okay, it's 26. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you will bear, bear witness also, because you have been with me from the beginning. Next page. Now we're to 16, correct? Yeah, up okay. to verse 4. Okay. Yep. Uh, these things I have spoken to you, so that you may be kept from stumbling. They will put you out of the synagogue, but an hour is com- an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he is offering service to God. These things they I'm sorry, these things they will do because they did not know me, know the Father or me. But these things I have spoken to you so that when the hour comes you may remember that I told you of them. These things I did not say to you at the beginning. Because I was with you. Awesome. Cool. All right. I'm going to pray really quick and then we're going to discuss. So, 
Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for your word. And um, I just pray that, uh, Father, you would give us more of the Holy Spirit today for more understanding, more wisdom, more discernment, more um, application for these verses that we're going to read. Let your your word come alive inside of our hearts. I pray that each person in this room would have um, good soil in their heart where the seed of the word would be able to be planted and go deeply, get deeply rooted into their heart. Um, so yeah, just come Lord Jesus and uh, reveal these things to us. Shine your light on the word. So uh, we just bless you in Jesus name. Amen. All right. So like I said, part of that, Josh kind of went over last week. Um, but as a reminder, that last bit of 15 is um, Jesus kind of warning the disciples. He's gone from like telling them, you know, that uh, I'm the vine, you guys are the branches, we're all going to be one together. It's just that really nice thing. And now he's like, but here's the caveat. There's going to be some hard times, right? This is, there's going to be persecution. And uh, I love the character of God. I think we talked about this last week uh, and during Josh's teaching, but he loves to like, uh, like tell his friends what's going to happen in the near future. Like God doesn't like secrets where he just like, boom, all of a sudden there's like world calamity. It's like, usually he's like speaking to some of his friends about what's to come. So like Abraham is a great example. God went to Abraham and said, you know, let's go down to Abraham and let's tell him what we're going to do to Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, just so that it's not like this big shock. And Abraham had this opportunity to intercede for Sodom and Gomorrah. And he was asking for, well, Lord, if there's just 50 righteous, you know, would you, if there are 50 righteous, would you save the city? And the Lord's like, sure. Since you asked for it, I'll give it to you. Just because I like doing business with you. And Abraham's like, well, don't get mad. And, you know, whittles him down. And um, <clears throat> But this is kind of the, in the same vein where Jesus is like, hey, you guys are my disciples. I'm going to go, but you guys are going to carry this on. And I'm going to warn you now that the world is going to hate you, that there are going to be people who persecute you. But I don't want you to worry because they hate you, not because of you, because of me. They hate, they hated me first, right? So um, it literally says in verse um, 22, is this the one? If I had come, this is 15, verse 22. If I had come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. So Jesus' coming to earth wasn't just this jolly good old thing, you know, where, well, now everyone's saved. But yes, there is an opportunity for everyone to be saved. But it also makes a strong line between who is going to accept him and choose him and who is not going to choose him. Um, I think we've talked about that quite a lot with our own group with different parables Jesus taught. And, um, you know, the I always think of the one about the, uh, did you count up the cost? And he tells a parable about a guy who built a, is going to build a city. And did you not count up the cost before you even tried to build the city to make sure you had enough materials to see the project through? And then uh, he also tells a parable of a king coming after you, you're a king with a thousand, and then a king comes against you with ten thousand, and you know, will you not go out to meet with him and try to? Can you stand against him? He's got so many, you can't afford to stand against him. It's this whole idea of, did you count up the cost to walk this thing all the way through by obeying me? 
And then also, beyond that, did you count up the cost of what it looks like to not follow me and obey me? Because either way, I'm coming. So it's, it's not the nice Jesus we always hear about. You know, that Jesus is truth. He's righteous. He's judge. And we want to be on his side. Does that make sense? Cool. All right. So we're going to move forward. We're going to focus more on verses 26 through 4. So what sticks out to you there in verses 26 through 4? 26 of 15 all the way up to verse 4 of 16. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Who's been persecuted by someone who thought they're doing the God's work? <laughs> Raise your hand. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if we're looking at it in context, this is very a true promise because Saul, after Jesus dies, goes on a rampage and starts killing Christians. You know, it was very soon to come to fruition after the time of Jesus when he promised this. But even today, I think we can all agree that there are Christians that you know, bash other Christians that try to eat other Christians alive, then they believe that they're doing the Lord's work by doing so. And uh, so how, I guess I'll ask this question, how can you discern a uh, a true follower of Jesus versus a, a false follower of Jesus? If they're accusing you, say you're the one being accused of uh, something. You know them by their fruits. That's a great way. What else? Scripture. Scripture. What about scripture? Uh, I guess whoever. Um, I guess whatever side you test their words against scripture. Test uh, their words against scripture. Yeah. Or like see if they're teaching. Yeah. Right. Yep. Kind of like what you do with prophecy. Right. Yep. Build off of what he's saying is like specifically like uh, Paul writes about how like in the last days people will shoot doctrine um, that will satisfy ancient years. Right. Um, for one and for two, he's I think it's I still think it's Paul's a different passage where he talks about how like um, uh, Oh, like if there, if anyone is like, if anyone says that there's a different Jesus than ours, then right, they're not of us. Yeah, yeah. Ask the question. Say that one more time. I just missed ask, the last yeah, part. Ask the question: How much do you, does someone personally benefit from other people following their teachings? Mm, mm, yeah. Yeah, I hope y'all benefit. I benefit nothing but from y'all following and. You know, if I if y'all left me today, well, I'll just start my own house church. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, things I think about are um, the manner in which they bring up either correction or accusation, because you know, the, there is a biblical manner of doing it, and as Christians, we should expect other Christians to call us out and lead us to correction, right? You, you know. If we're thinking that we're just going to skate through the Christian life scot-free and nobody's ever going to challenge me, then you, you've joined the wrong group, man. That's, there's another group down the street that'll do that for you. But uh, the, 
Hebrews talks about uh, being legitimate sons of the Father, that legitimate sons undergo discipline from their Father. And so part of that discipline is being a part of a body, a church, where we can hold one another accountable. And that goes for leaders and uh, congregants alike, that all of them are held accountable. Um, But the manner in which somebody approaches you about, you know, whatever you're being corrected on is very telling. Um, Yeah, we love some public humiliation. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Do they come to honor you? Do they come uh, to... I I know I'm I'm hitting all the pain points right now because I think we've all been through it. Yeah. You know, I've I've talked about this a lot, but there is a biblical way of going about corrections. Go ahead, Josh. I was just going to say, like, uh, Jesus, like, one of my favorite passages is, like, when um, Jesus, I think it's Matthew 18, but, like, Jesus is, like, talking about, like, how to approach someone if you have, like, an issue and, like, how to bring it through, like, the Mm -hmm. correct spirit and it's not, like, an accusatory. It's a spirit um, of humility. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, like, sitting down and not necessarily calling out someone, but, like, correcting them because the word of God is used for correction. Yeah. And also, I think in that passage, I could be thinking of another one. It says, like, in a spirit of gentleness with the aim to restore. Right. There's so much correction that happens because you want to be justified or someone needs to be sat down. Yeah, I've just seen it done so poorly, but I've been corrected in a spirit of gentleness, and I was restored. And Jesus always corrects me like that. So it's my goal whenever I bring a correction to someone to be like, I want the best for you. Right. Not because you're inconveniencing me. It has nothing to do with that. It shouldn't have something to do with right. that. It should be because I want the best for your heart. Yeah. Like your soul matters. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I love that part about, like, our, is that person coming to restore you? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have to be careful, especially if we're the ones receiving correction, because if we're caught off guard by it and we fall into a fence... We can claim that the person is coming at us and they want to tear me down when really they do want to restore, right. you know. And so it, this is, church can just be messy. It's like family. And, you know, uh, really all the, the burden goes back on the father because he's the one who came up with the idea. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> but we should strive to outdo one another in good deeds. We should strive to, if I see my brother struggling, I'm not going to go to him in a spirit of, I've already beaten this and I'm better than you, but I'm going to go to him as a servant and want to wash his feet, you know, and tell him, hey, dude, I'm, I'm here for you. And I'm not going to try to control him either. That's a big deal. Leaders trying to control, you know, if they come to you with correction and then you don't follow and then they start taking things away. It's like, there is a... Um, uh, a, a true leader will honor the call of God on somebody's life and their own relationship with the Lord and allow a person to go through process. And um, it's insecure leaders that try to push you, push you to try to get you to the place that you need to be to fit their mold, you know? So yeah. this is very much a real thing, you know, um, that they're going to be people, this is talking about people killing. I mean, this is way more intense. You know, we're talking about my feelings got hurt and, you know, I'm being manipulated and controlled. Right. And it's still serious. Like, you know, I'm not trying to downplay it. It's still extremely traumatic and it sticks with you. Some of you probably wished you were dead after some of that stuff, you know, but, um, the kill, this is, this is back in a culture where it was cutthroat. I mean, it was no thing to just kill you, you know? And so these guys are facing intense persecution. 
where it's not like they're going to get uh, their Instagram's going to get deleted or something like that. Their influence online is going to get removed. No, they're going to get like literally killed, right? I think the promise, though, the very first sentence of 26, uh-huh. we have a helper coming and yes. he's given us, there's our promise yeah. right there. Yeah. We're not alone in this. Yeah. So these guys are probably sitting there going, the helper? Who's this? You know? What, what's going on here? Yeah, so he's... I, I like that Jesus... It says that Jesus will send the helper from the Father. Um, it's very much that. Just These verses always share the, the Trinity, how intertwined they are. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they never do anything outside of one another. They're, they're always teaming up on things. You know, it's, it's, we should aim to be like that as a body, as a church, that you know, uh, when we do something, we all are going in. And when we refrain from things, we all refrain from things, you know, that we are one as a unit. Um, let's see. Bear witness. <clears throat> so these things they will do to you because they have not known the father nor me but these things I have told you that when the time comes you may remember that I told you about them yeah so Jesus is really wanting to warn everybody before this stuff starts happening so that they don't stumble that, I think that was in the first verse right these things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble this is God's heart the character of the father God doesn't want you to stumble. God wants you to know the truth and walk a clear path, right? So, Mine, I like the mm-hmm. Bible. It says, so that you won't abandon your faith. Right, it's kind right. It's a cool picture of what stumbling yeah. is. like little moments where you're what, abandoning your faith. Yeah. What version do you have? NLT. That's going on my bookmarks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, <clears throat> it's talk. I mean, think about it. If you had the threat of being killed for being a Christian and the guy who's leading your this new religion you're part of is saying he's about to leave, you'd be pretty nervous. And you'd be like, oh, I could just go back to my other gods. You know, I could go back to just being a Jew, you know. and yeah. nothing, Everything was fine when I was a Jew. I don't get all this persecution, all this stuff. It's like, you know. It's like Hebrews. Yeah. Yeah. So, um but this is Jesus telling them that so that when they see it, it's also a sign to confirm that they're doing the right thing, right? So when you're persecuted, it's a sign that you are following the Lord, that you're walking in his footsteps. And likewise, if you're not experiencing persecution for your faith, you might need to check what you actually believe and if you're actually walking out what you believe. And, you know, here's the deal. This culture compared to our culture is very different. Right. You know, America is much more accepting of different things. But we've talked about this before, that there there is a rising tide of um, anti-Christian and anti, you know, that religion, just scripture, Bible um, rhetoric going around in in uh, America. And it will not be long. I say it to you now. I'm no prophet, but I can read the signs of the times. It will not be long before being a Christian will really put a target on your back. Um, and we should rejoice in that, right? Not like, <clears throat> I say this all the time, it's not like you walk out every day and go, I'm a Christian, everybody hates me, screw y'all. You know, that's a spirit of pride 
right? That is not the humility of Jesus. It's people are hating me because I, I chose to follow Jesus and they hate Jesus. That's really what it is. These are people that do not love the true Jesus. And so that is why you're being lumped in with that because you're part with Jesus. What's up, Josh? I just want to like build off of what uh, Karen was saying um, to specifically another portion of the Bible where it talks about like the significance of the Holy Spirit and the Helper. Mm-hmm. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says, In him you also, when you have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance mm. until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Mm. Mm. That's a good word. Yeah, so the Holy Spirit was a big deal. This is a, a, a promise and a sealing of, uh, like, seals the covenant um, of the new covenant. So, um, all right, let's keep reading. Let's go to verse 5 and read up to verse 15. Who would like to read 10 verses? What did you say, 5 to 15? Uh-huh. I can do it. Cool. Now I'm going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it's best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he'll convict the world of its sin, and of God's righteousness, and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father, and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. My mother used to always say, truth is a person. Yeah. And when I would read scripture and I would put that Jesus, yeah. change the word. Yeah. Boy, the light went on. Yeah, I yeah. I always say that. Yep, he is the truth. <clears throat> One of the um, interesting things <clears throat> is that New Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, mm-hmm. who made it pretty clear right up front, uh, he, he hit the ground running right. that he was a believer and that um, the evil ones, the leftists, um, have done everything they can to discredit, discredit him. And they found out two things. He lives paycheck by paycheck. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that he and his 17-year-old son have a, uh, a computer uh, program called Covenant Eyes, yeah. which is a, a <coughs> monitors pornography. Mm-hmm. And so if either one of they have it on all of their devices. Uh, you can get it up, up to 10. Right. And uh, that he and his 17-year-old son hold each other accountable right. for what they right. type a text yeah. and watch and stuff like that. Yeah. And, uh, and it's interesting how uh, 
these people who are trying to discredit him yeah. can't find anything yeah. to um, really get him on. Right, right. Yeah, uh, I, would, I would say, first thing, I think it, we, we need to be careful to not label people as the evil ones. You know, just the, the, the whole left versus right thing. We just got to be careful with labeling people as evil one. They, there are bad beliefs on both sides. But the Mike Johnson thing, I saw the Covenant Eyes thing. And so I have Covenant Eyes, just so everybody knows. It's a great tool, you know. It's in a world where pornography is readily available at every second of the day. It is a tool that helps you stay accountable. And I saw a bunch of articles saying, what a freak and, and what a creep, you know, him and his son are keeping himself, uh, themselves uh, accountable or whatever that means. It feels like control. It's just people that don't really understand it, you know. Darkness hates the light. And so, um, <clears throat> yeah, that, that is a great example that um, there are people that are doing good things that are getting ridiculed just for trying to do the right thing. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. When I saw that this week, I was like... Uh. Yeah, the whole, like, article... I showed Monica. I in quotations. He tries to avoid sin yeah. by having covenant eyes. I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> don't understand. My brother. There are far worse things he could be doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like pretty great right one. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. What else sticks out to y'all here? always stuck out to me is like when he says none of you have asked where I'm going. Right. They're all about themselves. It's like oh my god he's leaving you know. But nobody yeah. said hey where are you going? Yeah. You know? So the interesting thing is if you flip over to John 13 36 Peter does actually ask um, and yeah Simon Peter said to him Lord where are you going? <laughs> That's verse 36 and I think in 14 somebody else asked him I think it's Philip or Thomas. Thomas says, Lord, we did not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Mm-hmm. Um, why is Jesus saying it? So why is Jesus saying it? That's a good question. That's, these are the questions we have to ask when we read Scripture, mm-hmm. because at, at first look, it's like, this contradicts, because two guys asked. Uh, Jesus, I would say, is discerning the room. He's discerning their heart. They're asking him literally, where are you going? Like, you're going to be here somewhere. Right. right. We right. You right. Like, right. Um, you're not really getting, not getting to that. <laughs> that and they're very concerned about like I left everything to be with you, you know. So where are you going? What am wh- basically what does that mean for me? Right. And they're thinking mainly about him, themselves and not really interested in like what do you mean you're going? You're going to the Father. Are you not, like they're not asking about his destination. And Jesus wants them to be um, you know, at least aware of that, but so he he recognizes that they are filled with sorrow, right? So what does he say after that verse? In verse six is where it says, "Your uh, sorrow has filled your hearts." What does he say in verse seven? It's better for you than to go, so that I can send you to the Lord. Yes, yes. Yeah, my translation has a word, nevertheless, which is a good old-fashioned Bible word. It just means, in spite of all that, you know, nevertheless, all of that being said, my favorite phrase, um, it is to your advantage that I go away. What do you think about that? Yeah, you start to get 
get into the um, territory of like the discussion on like the Trinity, like you know, uh, about that because like if, if Jesus is going away so that the Holy Spirit can be here, you know, it's kind of this idea of also like God coming in the flesh to be Jesus and then sending back into heaven to to be here and then giving us the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yep. What else y'all think? I mean, picture that. If you had Jesus in the room with you right now, I feel like most of us would think, oh, he's going to make everything okay. (laughs) And imagine he looks at you right now and goes, actually, it's better if I leave you. (gasps) Aw? You know, these guys probably said, I was without you for 20 years. You're leaving me now? It's better? It's better because now the Holy Spirit can live inside of them, take his place within them, and move with them. So that we can be, it's part of that whole invitation into the unity of the, tr- the Trinity. Um, that the whole reason for creation it was God in perfect unity within the creation in, in the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They said, "You know what? We're so pleased and just full and complete here together. Let's make some people, and let's give them the opportunity to like want to be a part of what we have, and give them the invitation so that they can take part with us." So they created man, and obviously man went his own way, and that's this whole thing we call life, right? Um, but what are we invited into? Not just a ticket to heaven. Not just a, a mansion where I have a place and now, now I just get eternal life and everything's good. No. We get invited into relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that we can have the same relationship with each of them as they have with one another. Does that make us God? No. Let me say that outright. No. We are not God. But we are partake in the nature we partake in his nature. That'll become even more clear once we get to chapter 17, you know, but for now, just hold on to that. That there's this invitation right now that's been laid out to the disciples of like you're going to be able to be united with me, with God in a really powerful way. So, what else do y'all see going on in here? There's a piece where Unless Christ does leave, he will, like, most of the Jews probably will never breach faith because their idea of the Messiah is so tangible, militaristic. He's here, obviously he's going to do great things here. Yeah. So him leaving undercuts that. Yeah. Right. Leaves room for what it actually is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's... If Jesus were walking down the streets, it's easy for everyone to want to show face and be like, yeah, yeah, I believe in you. Let me in. You're right there. Dude, 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 let me in. It's a whole other thing to believe in him, yet not see him. To know that he's present, to know that he's working in our midst, and yet we can't feel him or see him. uh, I've helped out some friends before with different things. Um... And a lot of the stumbling block I've seen is I don't feel anything. 
Like, I don't feel God's love. I don't feel like his child. I don't feel these things. Is there something wrong with me? And honestly, no. There's nothing wrong with you. Like, yeah, you should check and see if there's maybe a block. Ask the Lord to show you. But I don't always feel the love of God. There's plenty of times in worship where I've been... It used to be like 50-50 where I'd get up and be on stage to start leading worship and I'd hear all these voices in my head of like, you sound like an idiot, you're doing all these dumb things, you're not doing good, and feel like far from him. Or just feel blank, like I'm not connecting with him at all. And then there were other times where I was like, oh yeah, I feel it, I feel it. Your feelings are just feelings. Like they are important. God gave them to you. They are important. But the truth is what God wants you to hold on to, that you would believe the truth outside of a feeling. You know, it was a, I would venture to say that in the garden, it was a feeling that led Adam and Eve to sin. And it wasn't believing in the truth. If they had stayed and, and believed consistently in the truth that God had, despite what they felt, they would have probably not eaten from the tree. Yeah, they did. And just like we do all the time. So we have to learn how to hold our feelings in submission. Feelings are good. Feelings are indicators of things that are going on. It's like a check engine light in your car, right? It helps you know what to look for. But it's not everything. I've had check engine lights on my car that were wrong, (laughs) were false, and giving me a false read. You know, my emotions have given me a false read, let me tell you, plenty of times. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Y'all tracking? Cool. So. <laughs> Go. All of these guys, kind of, they were confused about where Jesus was going. It's kind of like whether he was going to catch a plane right. and go to California or yeah. something like that. Whereas we're looking at it like as Monday, Monday morning quarterbacks after the game yeah. and know what they all did wrong and yeah. did right and that kind of thing. The resurrection is the most important thing that has ever happened yeah. on the face of the earth. Yeah. You know, and they didn't understand. Yeah. <clears throat> they were looking for you know, what, what's he going to do next? Right. You know, and we're looking back saying, "Wow, the resurrection is what yeah. he's talking about." Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm. All right. Does anything else stand out to you guys in this passage? Yeah. The um, verse thirteen. Okay. One of the things that I've one of the verses that I've really been meditating on is the um, passage from John four, where Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, and he says that um, true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth. Mm. Here he talks about when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Uh, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare it to you the things that have come. I think just that the part that's standing out to me about that specifically is that he will guide you into all truth. Mm-hmm. And so, with the spirit of truth guiding us into all truth, it is also this uh, bringing John four into it's also this like proper worship yes as well yep yeah 100% yeah the Lord the Holy Spirit is here to guide us into um, all truth so like I've always told people this too when like 
I know a lot of people who read the Bible just to read it, you know, read six chapters and then go, I didn't get anything from it. Mm-hmm. Nothing stands out. What the world? And uh, <clears throat> there's a, a difference. If you read it with the Holy Spirit, he can make one verse transform your entire life. Mm-hmm. You know, he can take one portion of one verse, mm-hmm. transform your life. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, goodness and mercy will follow me. That right there, that will change your life when you start declaring that over yourself, that surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. You know, and so, um, yeah, it's this whole thing of the Holy Spirit. He does things. He's not just, and it's not just always miracles. It's not always like healings and prophetic words and, you know, you can get hung up on that stuff. And that stuff is good. We should pursue those things. Paul tells us, Pursue the gifts. The gifts are good. They're not. They're manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And if we want to know the Father more, we should seek more manifestations of it because it shows the Father's character, right? But there's an inner work that happens with the Spirit of Truth. As we read our Bible, when we just listen to the Word, when we spend time just you know going through our normal life, we we meditate on a Scripture. The Lord makes it come alive, and we start to be transformed into His image. And that's what we want. We want to look more like him. You know, before the disciples had to go and find Jesus. And where's Jesus today? Oh, he's not here? Ah, man, I really wish I could have asked him a question. Doggone it. You know, oh, yeah, he went on one of his trips. He's out fasting and praying for six days. You know, (laughs) one of those things. Now that the access we have, Hebrews talks about, come with boldness to the throne of grace. You know, we have access to the Father. We have access to Jesus. We have access to the Holy Spirit. We have access to all three. And this is part of it, that it leads us, Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. I really like that. I like how it also says that he will not speak on his own authority, but he will speak the things that he hears. Sounds a lot like somebody else that we've heard, Jesus. You know, I don't say things of my own accord. I only say what I hear the Father speaking. So it's all pointing back to the Father, which points back to the, you know, it's the beauty of the Trinity. Um, <clears throat> so does anything else stand out here? scripture and the Lord just keeps speaking yeah. you know and I, I've said that to some people and I was like oh no 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 it says this 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 <laughs> you know yeah. and, and you know it makes you sad yeah because but it's not that what Lord showed me is what's going to show you yeah yeah and um and I've even recently some things and it's just like why didn't I see that right <laughs> right How if only I, I knew this when I was 15 <laughs> you know and it's like Thank you, Lord, because um, it just, it encourages you. Yeah. Because you know that he's still speaking. Right. 
Right. Because it's living and active sharper than right. the two edges. Right. I, that happens to me. Like Psalms 23 has been probably my favorite chapter for my whole life, but every time I go back, you not every time, but there are seasons of my life when I go back to it, but I, it like hits you. Like the table prepared in the presence of my enemies for a couple of years, like kept me going. Yeah. It's like dining with the Lord. He's preparing my table. Yeah. What do you want to eat? When my grandfather still lived in the assisted living home where he was living with my grandmother when she was alive, um, he's 94, 95 now, living with my parents, he ran a Bible study with six or seven other believers who had been believers their whole life, yeah. specifically because there's a whole wealth of things that people have gleaned from reading the yes. Bible so many different times that are just... Completely different person to person. Yeah. I think another thing to keep in mind with all this, because I'll ask this last question and we'll finish up, but um, is putting yourself in their shoes, the right. disciples' shoes. These guys were Jews, right? And Jews for years and years and years and centuries and thousands of years were praying and asking for a Messiah. <clears throat> and now he's here. He says he's going to leave. But now, even beyond that, he's saying, I'm going to leave, but it's better for you that I leave and I give you this Holy Spirit, this thing where he'll come and live inside you. They had no idea what that really meant. But the at years down the road, I, I would imagine like 50 years after that, I bet you that they look at that moment as like pivotal in their walk of like, this is where everything changed for us. Where we went from these, you know, we were believing in Torah, we were following the law, and we just kept failing, kept failing, kept failing. But now the Holy Spirit is active in our lives. We partner with God on the day-to-day basis. And so I would ask you to be really honest with yourself and ask yourself, have I taken this privilege for granted? Meaning, have I taken my access to the Father as a New Testament believer for granted and almost been like spoiled by it? To where now you don't really use it. You know, like a a spoiled kid, they keep getting toys, keep getting toys, they play with it for like a day or two, and then they just forget about it and go on to the next thing. You know, how many of us have this relationship and we've been promised these things, but we don't dig into the relationship with him because we've just always grown up in it. We've always felt like we had that sort of access. I would reflect on that this week. And if you feel like you've taken it for granted, listen, my hand's up first. I'm asking this question because I get convicted of it. If I read a verse that says, approach the throne boldly with, you know, that I can come before the, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, And I don't. Like, I am the chief among all sinners here, you know? So, challenge yourself. Don't take it for granted. Make this week the week that you say, no more. If he promises this, I'm going to experience it. And while maybe I don't see it right now, I'm going to contend for it. I see this passage where Jesus is inviting the disciples and he's telling them about the Holy Spirit and the Spirit leading them into all truth. I put myself in there. The Holy Spirit will lead Cameron, me, into all truth. 
I might not know it right now, but I pray, Father, that you would give me the Holy Spirit so that he would lead me into all truth. One thing I noticed was, like, it says he'll convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness right. and of the coming judgment. I'm like, am I allowing him to convict me of God's righteousness? Right. Or am I thinking about the coming judgment? Yep. Am I being convicted of sin? Like, just being aware of, like, the Holy Spirit's role. Like, yeah. he thrives doing, he's right. doing those things. Am I an open vessel for those things to happen? Right. Am I taking him up on those things? Yep. Am I thinking outside of myself? Because a lot of times I just think about myself. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, just like Jesus is warning them here, part of the Holy Spirit, that whole verse of the... Uh, of judgment or of sin, of righteousness and of judgment. The Holy Spirit is giving us like a forewarning of what's to come. Jesus' second coming will be marked by him coming with judgment. He's coming to judge the wicked. We should rejoice in the wicked being judged. You know, that, that, that evil things will be no longer, that sex trafficking will be done, that murderous pigs will be done away with. People with evil stored up in their heart will be done away with. If that doesn't make you rejoice, then check your heart. You know what I mean? But like the Holy Spirit is giving us this this check. There's a judgment coming. I'm going to walk with you to keep you, keep your oil filled, right? So in sin, the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. And if you've ever been convicted by the Holy Spirit, typically it's pretty gentle, Typically, it's so loving. Typically, it's not like, you bag of dirt, you know, you... It's not how I talk to myself. You took six Oreos last night when you should have took four? Ah, you know, like, the Holy Spirit's... What's that? Yeah. (laughs) You know, he's like, hey, man, this isn't good for you. What you've been investing your time in is taking from you instead of restoring you. And I've got much better for you. So that's conviction of sin. The uh, conviction of God's righteousness is knowing where God stands. What is God's standards? What are the things that he loves? What are the things that he likes? So if I'm convicted of sin and I know what God wants, I start to repent of my sin and I start to do the things that make God happy and not do the things that make him angry. Uh, There's a guy that I really look up to who uh, has always said, be a student of God's emotions. We should be students of God's emotions. And so, and then the last one is the Holy Spirit um, uh, tells us about judgment coming. And that's the, the collision of our sin and God's righteousness. And at that day when God judges, um, our sin will be exposed and our sin will create a void. And if we have not accepted Christ, you know, we're on the wrong side. And... You don't want to know what happens there. It's not great. You want to be on the right side, right? This is a real thing. Life is not a game. And it's like a conviction to reach out to others. Right. So that they're not on. That's right. Yeah. They're it's, not <clears throat> This is a burden that we get put on ourselves to want to, like Abraham, right? You prayed for those 50 righteous and uh, if there's 50 righteous in Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, if there's 45, if there's 40, if whittles them down all the way to like yeah. five. Um, actually, I think he stops at 10. And there were actually five. If he had just gone one more, he would have had it. <laughs> it's a really crazy story. Um, but now, because of the new covenant and because of the Holy Spirit, we can walk into cities like Sodom and Gomorrah. 
preach the good news to those who would who would hear it, who would listen. Because the good news is that he's here to set the captives free. That all oppression should cease. That there would be a year of jubilee. Isaiah, is that 61 or 62? I can't remember off the top of my head, but look it up. It's good. Um, so, I, this, my, I'll close with this question. is What is God calling you to obey from this passage? And you don't have to come up with like a specific verse. Maybe the Lord's speaking to you right now. What do you feel like the Lord's calling you to obey this week from what we've read and what we've talked about today? <clears throat> did you hear that? I'm here. Okay. I, I said, did you hear? Oh, yeah. Because you looked at me like you didn't hear. <laughs> I know you're here. Yeah. No, I, I heard you. Yeah. I can't think of anything. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I have to make up a verse, I mean, make up a sin that I want to repent from. Sure, sure. No, no, no. This. This is not about making up sins, you know, that we don't want to go sin searching in our own lives, right? We ask the Holy Spirit, like David said, search me and know me, O Lord. Yeah. You know, let me bring those things to the light. And I'm just going to keep trucking. And when you bring those things to the light, I'm going to repent of it. I'm going to go through the, the <clears throat> forgiveness for those people, but I'm going to keep on trucking with you. Let the Holy Spirit convict of sin. You are not the convictor. You know, you can't just convict yourself of sin. Let the Holy Spirit convict you. Does anybody feel maybe empowered to spend more time with the Lord this week? Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask him, what are you receiving from the Father? What are you what? What are you receiving from the Father? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because he says everything that he receives from the Father. So it's like a connection to the Father through the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Like I know I can go straight to the Father, but it's cool to think about the Holy Spirit putting things in my heart mm-hmm. that the Father wants to reveal to me. Yeah. Who else? <laughs> That's all right. Um yeah, I just pray that each everybody reads these read these passages over and over. You know, just because we do it at church doesn't mean you get in it all. We're kind of flying through this. I was talking to Josh earlier this week and he was like, "Yeah, it's like five we could spend like a whole other uh Sunday on the last passage." I talked to him last night actually via text. Yeah, I was going to say I was like, "I <laughs> You I just asked you. I said <laughs> He said, yeah, we could probably go back through the last part of 15. But all this we could go through and go through with a fine-tooth comb and get out so much from it. Um, So I'm encouraging you, read these verses, John 13 through 17. Read them over and over throughout the week. Pray through them. Spend time with the Lord. Don't take it for granted. You know, I know so many people, and I'm sure there are people here. You see rich people who get everything handed to them and all this stuff, and you're like... Man, I've had to work for all this. I had to do all these things, yada, yada, yada. Like, don't be that person spiritually. Right. You have access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Don't be the older don't, brother. Don't go, yeah, don't be the older brother. Yeah. Go get alone with them. Spend time with them. Stop being apathetic. Don't be apathetic about your faith. Because, let me tell you, when judgment comes, when justice comes... Justice is coming to bring justice to the earth. 
And you do not want to be one of those ones who's partaking in evil. You want to be somebody who's a justice bringer on earth. The way I see it, um, I don't know. Um, it's kind of like thinking that, like you know, healing from my surgery. I don't know if you know, your experience was similar or you know anyone else has done it. But healing hurts, you know. Yeah. And it's like you know, you th- you, th- you think of God and Jesus as healer, you know, and as judge, and. You know, Mommy. I mean, I, I, I've said Mommy. before, so, so I, I don't believe that people are getting, going to get sent to hell lock, stock, and barrel. Mm-hmm. I do believe that the sin and the brokenness and the pain in their hearts will be healed, and that's really going to hurt, you sure. know. Um, and the more sin and the more brokenness and the more pain that there is, the more that that's going to hurt. Sure. Um, so... Trying to think about how we can help people not hurt so much in the meantime, and when that day comes, have it hurt a little bit less, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I appreciate you sharing. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, no matter which way you look at it, you know that people, if they go with evil in their hearts for too long, there will be a reckoning for it. You know. There will be some kind of reckoning and. There is an opportunity now for today to be the day of salvation, for repentance. God's granting forgiveness for all the evil you've ever done. And you can experience freedom today. You know, that should be our, our, our lot in life, that we're, we're disciples who make disciples. We didn't go through a whole teaching on how to make disciples to not go and make disciples. Oh, well, I was... I just felt nervous or I just, I had too much going on that day. God, got to push in a little more, guys. We all do. When I, I'm not pointing at any individual. I'm pointing at me, you know. <laughs> uh, there's the meme of the kid who plays on the high school football team. And he was like, coach is right. If we want to win, it's got to be us. It's got to be on us. That's how I feel right now. God is right. If we want to reach the lost, it's on us. He wants to partner with us. So, all right, I'm going to end it there because I feel good. Um, Let me pray, and then we can talk, discuss, whatever we want to do. So, Father, we just love you. We thank you. I thank you for the truth of your word. I pray that your truth would bring everything to the light. Um, Father, that you would convict each one of us. Holy Spirit, that you would come and convict each one of us with sins. Uh, of our sins, of where we've missed the mark, where we've got a wrong belief about you, um, and that you would correct us, that you would um, lead us in the way everlasting. Um, I pray that you would wake us up, each one of us, out of our our apathy, you know, towards our relationship with you, or um, uh, just the, the way we look at the world, that we would not just be passive about our faith, Um, because evil is not passive. And so if evil is not passive, then workers of the light, bringers of justice, cannot afford to be passive. And so I just pray that we would be a a body, a church people that are not passive, that we are active followers of Christ, bringing justice wherever we can. And so we just love you, we bless you, and we honor you today. In Jesus' name, everyone said. Amen. Amen.
Thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you've been blessed by today's teaching. And as always, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. You have my heart.